river's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie. Welcome back to the TradQuest podcast. What's going on, Bob? Oh, not much, buddy. How you doing? Ah, uh, things are looking up. Sun is shining. The rain is starting to go away. That rainy season is kind of starting to dwindle away, and I'm getting excited about uh, spring and summer. Yep, it's coming right up, man. Hunting season will be here in, you know, what, three or four months, actually. So time's flying, planning hunts, applying for tags. Got to wait to see what the draws get. And uh, all that good stuff, planning this fall's adventures. and Yeah, I've been uh, talking to biologists on the phone, doing my internet scouting, getting ready for some boots on the ground scouting, you know, just trying to do my deal diligence uh, before I drive, make that drive to the, the new country, looking for some new elk country and hoping to find uh, some less pressured elk, I suppose. And me and my buddy Joaquin are planning on a, a scouting trip in may slash spring bear hunt gonna try to go out there and look for the bears as well and yeah it's getting exciting this uh this podcast was great too for this time of year because yeah uh, we, we have an absolute stud on and he is such an interesting guy you know we he, James and I are always talking about hunting deer or elk or deer or elk or deer or elk you know blacktails or mule deer well, he goes about it totally different. He is exactly what our podcast is about, about adventure and challenge, and he takes it to a whole nother level. He'll go on a hunt in some remote island somewhere and have the time of his life, and then the next next year he's going somewhere else. Like, that's just what he does. And he's hunted so many states now that he's kind of got this little goal of taking a big game animal in every state, and he's he's 41 in, and he's only got, the northeast corner, you know, the northeast, like Vermont and all that stuff up in there. He's got nine states left, basically. He's done all the the really, really hard ones. And, man, he's just such a good guy. And he gives so many good tips on researching new areas, you know, just, you know, getting that local knowledge, you know, <laughs> going to. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. Stuff. I think I don't think I'm going to get my hair cut because I got a scouting trip ahead of me. <laughs> And uh, I may be looking for a haircut at the yeah, local barber shop. Yeah, going to the barber shops or newspapers or cafe. I mean, just good stuff. You guys will see. We won't spoil it too much, but yeah, he's a heck a of a guy. Just a regular guy. Just to, you know, he he's got him a little cattle farm, and he is contractor, and and you know, he's not a rich rich man, and he just loves to bow hunt. And and another awesome thing about him is he's a man that didn't grow up in a hunting family or anything. He just, he, he was exposed to it and he just was hooked and super neat to hear from people like that. Yeah. He's a great dude. Um, it's got me excited about new adventures myself. I mean, it is fun to go and hunt the same haunts and, and getting an intimate, uh, relationship with the land and, and the way the animals move on that landscape, but there's also something super special 
about wondering what's down in that creek bottom and what's around that next bend or over that mountain because you've never been there before and it's new and it's exciting and yeah heck yeah and a lot of times you know you look back at some of your past hunts at least i do and you know and the and the first time you hit an area is you know like, like you try to go back and recreate that's that again but Sometimes it's luck and like, you know, he explains a few of the other issues with that, but a lot of times, man, it's, it's, uh, your first time, it can be the best. And I think he just takes that and rolls with it to the next one. So it's, yeah. uh, it's super cool. It kind of inspires you to try some new things. And, and like we talk about a lot on this is if you do live in Vermont and you want to come out and go elk hunting or deer hunting or go to just, man, there's so much information out there and, just go do it. I mean, there's, like he said, there's, you can find of a lot of, a lot of excuses why not to. And, uh, just go do it, man. You won't regret it. So. For sure. So how's the shoulder healing up? Bob? Uh, it's, it's, it's doing pretty good. I, I got the doctor to sign me off to go back to work. Oh, coming right up here. May 9th. Now it's not really, definitely not feeling like going back hundred percent yet, but I'm hoping I make some really big leaps here in the next couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm working on the strengthening and stuff. And I mean, I'm, I'm giving her heck and sometimes I'm overdoing it. So I'm still not sleeping at night, which is getting really old after almost what, two and a half months, long nights, but, uh, yeah, but it's gonna, coming right along, man. It's coming. Right you going to start shooting your uh, wife's bow soon or I got to talk. I got to talk to the doc, doc about that, but I mean, I have definitely haven't got cleared to do that, but I may or may not have already shot it a few times. So, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, hopefully, you know, a few more weeks I'll start shooting again. It's, it's not, it's my bow arm. It's not my draw arm. So I, I could shoot right now. I know no problem. I, mean, I have some pain, but I know I could shoot. I just don't know if it's good for it. If you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, I've I'm been not shooting in a giant hurry. That's that's part of the benefit of not being a tinker and using the same setup. So I know I'm I know I'm ready to go. I just have to, as long as I can shoot by you know July, I'll be good. A couple months getting tuned up and be good to go. But I'm hoping to be shooting here soon, middle yeah. of May, June. Yeah, I'm, I've been shooting quite a bit lately, uh, here and there, and starting to get things rolling you know for gears sharpening some broadheads and uh building some new arrows i was just talking to carson brown on the phone and ordered up some more sherwood shafts and i got a new dip tube coming because my old dip tube it kind of clogged up and got all uh i don't know i must have got some air in there and that went to crap and uh, see, see that's that's the reason i just have andy do them yeah, that's the yeah. reason. Just call addictive archery. No, it's it's you can afford it. It's not not to break the bank, and you don't have to worry about it. Because I, I know I did that. I had a dip tube, and I, when you do them so infre infrequently, you know, even when you're messing with them constantly, I don't know what I'm doing. And man, I had it cost me some animals because I I'd gotten three dozen shafts, and I dipped them over a certain amount of time. And I was super anal about, you know, getting extra coats on them. So I was doing like three coats. Well, what was happening is it was getting thicker and thicker. And I'm such an idiot. I should have noticed that it was like, instead of hanging them and it just runs right off, then it's like 
you know, by the end I'm hanging them and it's just barely coming off there. Well, shoot, man, I was getting some serious inconsistencies in the weight from the first dozen to the third dozen. Yeah, well, I'm a little better at building arrows than you then, Bob. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I call Andy and I just get my knocks and my feathers and my dip and, you know, I get my stuff from Andy and, uh, but I like to put, put them together myself. I like, uh, yeah. uh, the pride of looking at those arrows and, and, uh, I, uh, you know, have my hands on staining them and dipping them and fletching them and yeah, it's, yeah, no, take I pride see, in it. I see that. I've got, I've got a dozen shafts that before I had surgery, I started working on and I'm got, but instead of doing the dipping, I'm just going old school and using boiled linseed oil. I'm doing oh. three coats of that. And then I've got enough guys and I'm really excited turkey season started because I know a bunch of guys are out hammering turkeys and they're all saving the wings for me. And I've got me and a buddy, a buddy of mine at work. He's been doing it too. And so we got a bunch of them fletched up turkey feathers and, uh, you know, we're cutting, splitting the feathers and doing all that stuff. So I'll have a, I'll have a dozen ready to go with real turkey feathers on, uh, some dug fur shafts. And just boiled linseed oil. And I'll use it when I go hunt elk in the desert. You know, I don't, I, I did a little internet research. I talked to Carson basically about it first and he said, yeah, I've heard of guys doing that, you know, and, uh, so we'll see how it works. But I'd imagine as long as I'm not blacktail hunting in the pouring down rain jungle, it'll, it'll be just fine. That should be enough, enough yeah. sealer on it. That's what they used to use back in the day, right? So yeah, definitely. So I think, uh, now would be a good time to uh, thank our Patreon supporters and do another little giveaway for them. Oh, heck yeah. Thanks, guys. I mean, it's yeah. awesome the support we're getting. It's uh, helping us out hugely. Uh, I wish we could have started it a little sooner. We should have started a little sooner so we could take off back to Compton. But um, if it keeps up, we'll definitely be able to go next year because we're really going to miss that. Man, we had such a good time last year. I know. Such good guys. That organization is just top-notch. Good dudes. So yeah, uh, if you guys gonna... are around there, like we say every podcast, go out there. This this one podcast, we talk a lot about mentorship also. And, um, you know, if you are a younger guy and you're just getting into it and you're, all your buddies are shooting compounds, just go to Compton's, hang out, and shoot shoot the shit with the guys. And, and you know, there's so many like-minded guys. and. They're all willing to help you out. I mean, for the most part. So don't be bashful. And that's what Alan on this one talks about. You know, he's, he's definitely not a bashful guy. Just, just a good dude. So, so, uh, get in there and, and get a mentor basically. Yeah, definitely. Mentorship is super important. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you're 30 or 50 years old, if you can hook up with another guy that, uh, has the skill set and is willing to share. It makes it just fun for the guy that's mentoring and for the guy that's being mentored. And it, uh, really will cement your way in this, um, lifestyle. So definitely recommend it. And if there's any way we can help, uh, you know, get a hold of us, uh, at tradquest.com. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at tradquest. So reach out to us and in the spirit of, uh, Alan Clark's awesome story about his adventure in Hawaii. We are going to do a uh, giveaway. What do we got, Bob? We got some nose camo, which is uh, an all-natural cover scent made by, I haven't got the opportunity to talk to him, but I believe you have. 
And uh Spice is Spice's name? Yep, Spice. Spice Super. from Hawaii. Yeah, Spice. He is, uh, he's a Hawaii medicine man, basically. I mean, yeah. he is an awesome dude. Really neat guy, really interesting guy. And uh, he's made up his own own medicine man concoction here. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, he's a, um, he pulls, uh, essential oils out and does all kinds of stuff with oils and plants. And, uh, he's got an awesome, awesome relationship with nature. Um, and he lives over there in Hawaii and he made this cover scent because these access deer are so spooky and they're so hard to get on. So he designed and developed this, uh, scent to uh, calm the deer and make it so he can sneak in in there and get a close shot with his recurve. And so uh, definitely something uh, worth trying out. And we appreciate uh, him supporting the podcast. Um, Spice, like Bob, I've been telling Bob, I've been talking to Spice on the phone. And he loves bow hunting uh, in the islands. And he's chasing those goats and those access deer and sheep and just a super cool guy. So go over and check him out. He's on Instagram. Um, Island Spice Hawaii. So go to Island Spice Hawaii on Instagram and uh, learn more about what Spice has got going on over there in Maui. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's do this giveaway. Okay, hang on. I'm counting. Drum roll. All right. DJ Zor. DJ Zor. Yeah. Good buddy, uh, S. Clemens there. Thanks for the support. And you just won some nose camo from the medicine man himself, Spice from Island Spice, Hawaii. So. It, I think you're going to enjoy this, DJ. Maybe it'll help you down there on those javelinas. Yeah. And from the pictures from your javelina hunt, you need some, some darn nose camo. Spray that beard and that <laughs> nappy hair you got going on there. So uh, that'll help cover your scent, man. So yeah, maybe a trip to the barber shop. You'll learn some uh, <laughs> learn some new places to go hunting. Exactly. Awesome, man. Thanks you guys so much for supporting us. It's so cool to be able to do this and talk to the, the neatest people in the world, in our opinion, bow hunters and traditional bow hunters. On top of that, and get support from all these companies. Um, it's just, it's awesome and not have to, you know, technically have sponsors and deal with all that. And now we got enough coming in to pay our monthly bills and hopefully put a little bit in the piggy bank to be able to hit some of these events like Compton's and stuff. So if you guys aren't a Patreon supporter yet, you can uh, just go to tradquest.com and, uh, click the donate page and it can link you there. Or you can go to patreon.com forward slash tradquest. And uh, check it out there. You'll get automatically entered into our giveaways. And then uh, we have some some of the companies that have uh, been helping us out on there to get you some discounts. Um, Matt Webb's Wild Harvest got some awesome discounts for his Bush Fest. We got Addictive Archery, our buddy Andy, of course. He's got some codes on there for uh, if you're a, a longbow or self-bow tier. He's got some discounts. Same with Bob over at Big Big Stick Archery. Yeah, uh, he just wrote he's, a book. He's uh, he has helped us out huge. So thanks, Bob, for stepping up. Um, we got some broadheads coming on there too. Who do we got there? That's uh, we need to. Part of it's just because we're so darn busy right now. James is moving and yeah. everything, but uh, yeah, we got some. We got Jason over at uh, Tough Head Broadheads. Uh, we'll be doing a giveaway from them soon. 
and we have some discount codes coming from them soon. We should have more about that on the next week's podcast. I actually talked to Jason this morning. So uh, that's moving forward, and we look forward to offering that to all the Patreon supporters. And if you're a mom-and-pop shop uh, like any of these traditional bow hunting uh, operations and you're listening to the podcast and you want to support us, uh, get a hold of us. We would love to uh, give some products to our Patreon supporters and uh, inform them about uh, what you have to offer for the traditional archery community. Um, we appreciate the support. Right on. Enjoy, enjoy uh, Alan Clark here. Welcome to the TrapQuest podcast. Today we've got a, another great bow hunter that we dug up. Uh, you can go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, how you got started in bow hunting. All right, guys. My name is Alan Clark. I live in southeast Indiana. Me and my wife have a, a small farm here. We raise a few cows, and I'm a building contractor, too. Um, I I didn't get started bow hunting, really any kind of hunting, like most guys do uh, early on. I didn't have that opportunity. No one in my family hunted. Um and I was well into my late teens by the time I figured this out. And evidently there was a, a spark down in there somewhere because once I actually met, I actually met a local guy uh, that was a, he was a traditional shooter, but um, he was quite a bit older than me. But I, I sort of would watch him shoot and listen to him talk. And I've always been attracted to challenges. Uh, everything I've learned has basically been self-taught. Um, so I tried to, man, you know, that sounds like something I'd, I'd want to get interested in because it was, it appeared to be such a challenge. Right. And so it kind of took off from there and I just kind of dabbled in it and slowly started kind of beating my head against the wall. And after a few years, you know, it began to slowly come together. And, uh, I've always, I've always had, I got the traveling bug from my folks. We traveled all over on vacation, just like most people did. Um, and so I got to kind of combo that up with adventure and hunting. And I said, Hey, you know, I got to get out here and do some of this stuff. So I just started going slowly, one little piece at a time and kind of here we are. So you're hunting, uh, out of Indiana for whitetails. It sounds like, um, and then you are going on adventures to other states. And we had a uh, listener um, send us your way and said that you are looking to uh, take an animal, a big game animal, in all 50 states. That's a goal of yours. Is that correct? Yeah, it's just become something I might might try to do here later on. From now on, um, it's just like a lot of things. You spend a lot of time at something. And you, you gradually acquire quite a pile of stuff. And so over the years, you know, you hear about the deer slam and the sheep slam and the super slam and all that. I never really did get interested in that. It, it, it was never a, never that kind of a game for me. It was all about the adventure and the opportunity to do something different. Um, a lot of times it's not the species. It's the, it's the area, the place that they're actually in. And one day, after several years, you know, I got to thinking and really, really never really thought about it. And I got to looking and look, going through some pictures and talking to some people. And first thing you know, you know, I've been several places and shot quite a few stuff. And it dawned on me one day, you know what? 
maybe that's something I could just do within myself, you know, something that was attainable, uh, didn't have to be wealthy or any of that kind of thing. You can basically do all this stuff on your own. It just requires time and a little effort. So, you know, here we are. Um, I'm up to 41. So with a little luck, you know, I, yeah, I got a chance. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. It's, so uh, it's interesting that, you know, we get a lot of guys on here that, that were raised, you know, bow hunting. And it's just cool mm-hmm. to get guys on that, that they're, you know, they grew up in a family that didn't hunt at all. And there's just that, yeah. you know, certain people, I think everybody's different. James and I talk about this. He's, he's raised three daughters. Well, he still is. And, uh, my mm-hmm. little daughter's four and, and he talks all the time about how every kid's different. And I think it's the same for every person. And for, for some of us, we just have that instinct in us and in our DNA, I guess. It sounds like as soon as you picked up the, That's bow, the only thing you I couldn't can... put it down. Yeah. Like I said, for me, it was, um, it, it, most things drive around the challenge of, if I can, if I hear of something, even today, if I hear of somebody hunting some, some place that say, uh, known in mainstream, I'll put it that way. Um, you know, I'm thinking, eh, okay, yeah, I've never really been there before, but everybody goes there. And then if I get wind through, I always look for like the back door places. Just the adventure, like I said, draws me. And first thing you know, I'll be doing the same thing in a in the same state, but a different a different avenue uh, intrigues me. So um, I did I did. Uh, gosh, I think I got a, an old compound um, in like '85 or so from a yard sale. Actually, I picked it up. Didn't really know. I got it. it. Had like three or four different size arrows. You know how it goes. And I took it home and shot it. And shoot, within within a very a very short time, it become well, man. You know this this isn't quite the challenge that I'd remembered this fella battling and talking about. I said, man, you know he must be he must be something different because this this doesn't seem to be that that hard really. And so I knew down deep inside. I guess I didn't maybe admit it then, but. Uh, I knew down deep inside I wanted to do that because it was tougher. And to me, I like to put myself in those positions, just see if I can do it. So um, I guess different folks, like you said. Yeah, some of us are glutton for punishment, that's for sure. Um, so oh, what? Uh, when you go to these states, you had made a comment just now that uh, I really uh, liked you said, that it's not necessarily the animal that you're pursuing, but it's the place that they're living in. So when you're looking for these adventures, you're, you're seeking out, um, it's a certain habitat, um, wilderness. Like what, what is it that uh, you're picking out in these spots? Uh, a lot of that, a lot of different things. Uh, in my experience through, through the first several years or so, I realized, you know, the biggest thing in successful harvesting stuff, everywhere is pressure in my opinion right so that goes hand in hand with if i'm going to go elk hunting in say somewhereville colorado or wherever i'm not going to go just elk hunting i'm going to go wherever i've chose to go i'm going to pick the most difficult place normally or somewhere where there's not a regular guy going to go in there and so two things I'm going to have less people in there, so that equates to me. I have a better chance of being successful. And if I do run into people, which you generally do, 
the guy that's in there is going to be looking at it just like you. He's probably going to be an okay guy because he's 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 probably seeked out the same thing. So, um, but a lot of it a lot of it's that, and then the other part is there's just so much place, so many places on this earth to visit. It's just a huge world, and it, it, it like I said, it just it just intrigues me to I'm I'm not going to see it all, so I've got to go as many times as I can, as quick as I can. And to me, like it's when I've sat in a lot of places, and I bet you there hadn't been a person there in eons. I mean, it, it's just the type of place. I mean, I don't know that to be true for a fact, but I can tell you by what it took to get there, and uh, maybe maybe the resources I had to burn to find out about this place. You know, these places aren't just listed in the newspaper, you know, kind of thing. So you have to dig around and uh and find these places but then when you do they're normally you're normally set for a good trip so with uh modern technology of the internet it must make uh it makes it easier to dig but it must be frustrating for a guy like you who was digging way before the internet well i i have this conversation with most younger people like I'm 52 and I, I'm, I'm mentoring a couple of guys now that are in their thirties. And so totally different way of looking at things. I'm, if I would have grown up in this, with this available to me, I may have, I probably would have, you know, used it, but it's like re, re learning something that that's brand new. And so my uh, networking, you might say is not a push of a button my networking is walking up to the guy and shaking his hand and talking to him face to face. So it's the same thing at the end of the day, you're trying to surround yourself and talk to people with like interest. And the more, the bigger group you put yourself in, the better odds that you'll find guys of the same like mind. And that equates to opportunities that you'll never even, you will never get to fulfill them all. And so Joining all these all these hunting organizations and groups and all that kind of stuff is basically that's why I joined them to start with, not because of really what I I didn't know what they meant at the time as far as tradition and all that stuff. I wanted to meet other guys in other parts of the state that I would eventually talk to and get opportunities from. And so, yeah, it, it really I tell people all the time, I said, man, if I was living in your day, I'd be going I'd, I'd be going on twenty hunts a year. I'd meet, you, you'd meet you you meet guys at the click of a button, yeah. And away you go, and like I got, it's almost I'm almost kind of jealous because it's taken me 35 years to get to this point. And if a guy started today with the kind of technology there are, jeez, uh, he's, he's got to be quicker if he, if he will use that. I find <clears throat> I find there's something to be said for actually talking to a guy in person. I've called a few guys on the phone and such about about things, and you, you you sometimes don't connect. But if you look a guy in the face, you either do or you don't. And there's a certain amount of so I can I can assume I, I would say that if a guy done his research online, and he, it's different talking to cyberspace than it is a person in real life. So maybe. Guys are, I guess, guys are, we're not, maybe they're not, become more likely of talking to you when they're face-to-face as they are not, I guess, is 
So anyway, it is what it is, and that's what I've grown up doing, and so it works for me. It's just taken me a while, but that's okay, too, because it's the journey, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So how about the getting into some of the species that you've taken? Um, have you hunted those um, sicka deer over there in Maryland? Nope, not yet. Okay. I have I have looked into it, but uh, I just ain't made it over yet. Okay. Uh, what about out west? Uh, what, what western states uh, have you uh, had, a, you know, some success in? Um, let's see. I've hunted in all all western states uh, from from here all the way out there. Um, a couple I have not harvested in would be Oregon and Washington. <laughs> in Oklahoma, I believe. Uh, I've, I've, I mean, I've shot something in most of them, but two come to mind. Like I said, is is Oregon and Washington. I've hunted blacktail in both, and they just, I just haven't. But uh, our species goes. Um, tell tell me a little bit about uh, your blacktail hunting. Um, I've hunted them in Oregon a couple of times, Washington once. In California, uh, once I think, yeah. Um, so I've got one in in five, four or five trips. I've gotten one um, there again. Um, I, I hunted in um, oh one of them southern units down there below Medford in Oregon. Yeah, uh, the Evans, Evans Creek. Evans, and it. I mean. It was tough to find a deer. Um, so start with every place you go, no matter where you go, good, bad, or indifferent, no matter what species it is, where it is, it, it always has its special circumstances, its special stuff that you have to adjust to. And the quicker you do that, the better your chances of of success or putting yourself in a position for uh, it, on the, on, on that trip, you know, a lot of guys, it takes multiple trips to, to the same unit or the same area. And you hopefully gain information along the way. And over a period of multiple trips, you gain enough information. Okay. Finally, you can get the job done. But seems like me, I rarely hunt the same place twice consecutively. Once in a, once in a while, I'll either hunt a different area. I may hunt the same species in the same state, but I'll hunt a different area just because it's different. So I lose that uh, multiple trip learning. So I have to get, I have had to get good at figuring it out as quick as you can in order to get the job done. Or I may not have that opportunity there at that circumstances for maybe not ever. So there, um, in southern Oregon, it was pretty timbered. Let's see, I hunted the public ground. First, I hunted public ground up in the up uh, up in the mountains, um, and it was more timbered than I thought. I couldn't see them really. This was a November hunt, so they were supposed to be rutting, but I don't think they they were. I mean, how, how where I at? How late in the season in November were you there? Ah, uh, Thanksgiving. Right, yeah. uh, what, before Thanksgiving, I think it was a week before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, as I, as I've, as I've found and talked to, so when I, I get out there, I hunted, I don't know, a week or so up there. I saw a few does, um, no bucks, and then I would see none. There was just like, there were sign everywhere, 
trails and you know where they had been recently and i thought man sure there wasn't hardly anybody there i mean as far as and i thought well man surely this this much pressure has not got them gone and of course i'd heard you know that they're pretty nocturnal and all that and so i thought well but i like i said i i'd never seen any past the first few days and all i seen was does well i got to talking to um Oh, you guys probably know him, Nate Bailey. He lives out there in Southern Oregon. Anyway, I met him, and he was saying, oh, yeah. He said, what they do is they migrate. They come down and into the low country. And Shoot, I'd never heard that before. I thought, oh, yeah, that would matter. <laughs> that sounds like it exactly might be the case. <laughs> so, so I said, okay. He says to me, he says, well, you need to get down in low country, down there next to town in the bottom. And I said, well, okay. And what, earlier in the day, earlier in the week, um, what was it? I Something happened on my rental. I couldn't get a rental car for as long as I needed it. And I ended up having to take it back and horse around and get another one. Kind of, anyway, some kind of fiasco with that. Finally, ended up I got a vehicle I could keep. And I drove down there. And this is kind of typically me. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a unorthodox way of gaining information. And so... I start driving around down there with my Onyx on, you know, and this has been like eight, five or six years ago. So anyway, so I just drive around and I see there's a bunch of BLM ground. I said, okay, well, right off, you could see trails coming down the crossing the road. I mean, it was plain that they were, they were at least had been there. And he says, he had told me, he says, um, like a week ago, you, you might not see no tracks down here. And then all of a sudden, it's like overnight. They'll be like down here thicker and fleas. And I thought, huh. So then once I experienced that, I thought, well, man, maybe there's something to that. So I just started digging around in there, and I found a couple pieces of the ground there that, you know, I could get into. And I just parked along the gravel road, and walked in there, and I saw some – I didn't see any bears, but I saw – Saw, saw some bear tracks, and then I saw tons of deer, you know, your classic stuff, all the tracks you can look, see, and a bunch of buck rubs and things. I'm thinking, hmm. So I found me a little spot there between a couple of couple, couple of oak, uh, oak, small oak trees, I guess what they are, oak brush. And so I found me a place that kind of connected two of them, a little low spot, and I said, I built a blind in there a ground blind out of brush and crap. And so I went in there the next morning in the dark and got in that blind and shoot, they were deer all over me. I mean, they were deer. I saw 25 or 30, no bucks, but all does come through there. Um, but uh, there was a bunch of snorting and carrying on behind me where I, that was downwind of me in the, in a kind of an open field. And I, I'm sure there was some around, but, at the end of the day, I didn't see one, didn't get a shot at one, but I learned, you know, I learned some probably some valuable stuff that it, when and when I do go back out there the next time, I'll have that to factor in. So, no blacktail, but I got to hunt some pretty good spot. Yeah. So black, blacktails are tough, right? That's what I hear, you know, and I've heard the same thing uh, from most everybody. Uh, so must be some truth to it. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you, how, how, what are some other ways you go about? I mean, I know it sounds like you're kind of old school and getting your information, but 
other ways you go about because that's, okay. that's kind of some local knowledge, you know. And I've found, you know, okay. I multiple states all the time and, and okay. you know, getting that local knowledge from somebody around there is so yep. important, I feel like. Because they're, you know, I mean. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right, so then I'm going to give away some secrets here. A lot of guys, I'm going to be getting phone calls over this. But um, the world's a big place, and I'm sure there's room enough for all of us. But here we go. Um, Like I said, this factors into my general way of thinking is I'm after a little bit different avenue than the regular guy. And plus, I'll talk to anybody. Believe it or not, when I was younger, I I wouldn't talk to nobody. I was so – when I was in school, I was like an invert. You know, I just, I just didn't have anything to say to anybody. Once I figured it out that it wasn't anybody any better than you are, look out world, you know, kind of thing. And so now, for instance, let's say I'm going to, if I don't have any public or a private contact or a good public contact, whatever, I will go, say like I'll go to, uh, and get hunt national forest or whatever, like, like Oregon. Uh, I'll go out there and hunt that. But while I'm there, I will search out different people and 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 talk to them. And so barbershops, I'll get a hair. I've gotten haircuts in more more barbershops in other states than I have in this state. <laughs> I promise you. And a barbershop, I mean, not a not a salon, but I mean a barbershop like they used to be. Well, you go in there and the guy's a, you know what I mean? He doesn't do a lot of riffraff. He just cuts your hair. But he's an older, deeper-rooted, traditional guy normally, right? I'll search out them places. I'll go in there and talk to him. I'll get my hair cut if I, if I don't need to get it cut. First thing you know, I, I talk to this guy, right? And, and it's, it, he's either got a, some ground, his son, he knows somebody. He's got the, he's that local contact. More times than not, I've got some things to work on. May not turn out to be great, but more, more times than not, they do. Um, old cafes, my personal favorite, which are getting defunct across the country, but I can list, I could rattle off the, I, the names of these places. They stick in my mind so well across the country, uh, Kansas, Colorado, um, Arizona. I stop at these little mom and pop cafes. They usually got good food to start with, but more, more so is the old farmers, the old ranchers. Hang out there, just like they do here, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I raise cattle, so I have a connection. So I pull into these places. I go in. I start talking to these guys. First thing you know, they're impressed because I'm, I'm all the way out there to start with bow hunting something. So they either feel sorry for you or what. But I've actually had guys invite me to come and hunt their, their ranch just because of that. And then we get to talking cattle, you know, and – a cattle farmer or a farmer is the same farmer here, there, any state. You have that connection. Um, and first thing you know, it's like, well, come on out. And I've had quite a few opportunities to do that. And most guys wouldn't even ask. Most guys that I know, they're like, oh, man, that guy, you know. And so I'm telling you, it works. You just gotta, you just gotta use whatever's in your, um, reptoire, right? If you're a, if you're a dentist, you know, use other dentists as your, as your networking kind of thing. Um, also, uh, newspapers, um, 
uh, I'd say at least five or six good hunts. Most of my better whitetail hunts in other states like Kansas and Iowa. Uh, first place, probably 95% of all hunts I've ever been on have been do-it-yourself, no guide, right? I've hunted Kansas two or three times, Iowa a couple of times. Had some really quality hunts there for nothing, right? Um, one time I was I was out there. Gosh, what was it? Um, so I I got out there. I saw a video or a TV show. It was a waterfowl TV show. I just happened to be watching TV or watching this this uh, yeah television on whatever channel. And it was there was waterfowl hunting. I just happened to flick through it and I was watching these guys shoot some waterfowl, right? And they was. It was in Missouri, I think it was. But anyway, I just caught the tail end of it. And about 10 minutes later, you know, it was over. At the end of it, when the credits start rolling, I look at all this stuff. I've gotten numerous phone calls, uh, uh, phone numbers. I've got a book that I keep all this information in. I've got phone numbers in there you wouldn't believe. But I've gotten from videos or TVs or newspaper or magazine articles. Anyway, at the end of this, it said, for a quality duck hunt in Kansas, give this guy a call. Just set a phone number. And I thought, okay. If he if he's a duck hunter, I'd say he knows where some deer are, too. So I called him. And he was like, well, man, where'd you get my number at? And I said, well, it was on TV for all the world to see. And he said, well, nobody looks at that crap. You know, everybody shuts that stuff off and which might be true, but I'm kind of a sucker for that type of, so I look, I pay attention to these smaller details. So anyway, I said, Hey, I'm wanting to hunt Kansas at the time. I hadn't hunted it and I just wanted to hunt Kansas. And he said, well, shoot. Yeah. He said, I got all kinds of places. He said, what do you want to hunt? When do you want to come kind of thing? And anyway, into the story is I, you know, I had to draw the tag. And so I, I drew it, went out there, shot a pretty, pretty nice buck right off. Um, magazine articles, like I said, I keep all that stuff that if it, if it has a, if they're advertising a hunt, like it, like it have a lot of stories will have a, um, a block at the end that says, you know, they have contact information on it. I usually stay away from that because they're again, everybody and their brother will call up there and, and check it out. Right. But if I see, you know, like one guy in Alaska, I'll tell you. He wrote, he wrote two or three articles about different things, and I thought, boy, that's kind of neat, you know. And I just remember I was looking through the record book uh, in Oregon, I think it was, uh, and I saw this guy's name on there that had listed a, an animal in the record book, and he shot it there in Oregon. So it was a – I think it was a Roosevelt elk or something, whatever it was. And, and I thought, man, I've seen that name before. And so I went back and started looking at my old articles. Sure enough, I found this guy, and he lived in Alaska, but he has traveled around extensively, too. Um, and I chased him down. I, I knew I got to know that he worked for the U.S. Uh, government up there, and so I called. Finally, got around to calling the local office down there in southeast Alaska. And the lady in the office gave me his home phone number, which, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I called him. I left a message on his on his home phone. About three days later, I get a call. 
it's it's like midnight here you know and i and uh he calls up and he says uh, hey this is steve he says um how'd you get my number <laughs> and i said well you know that's that's the story i told him oh really well he said i can tell we're gonna get along all right already if you've done <laughs> if you have done that then and so we got to talking since then i've i've gotten a lot of information from him um I guess so along them lines, if you nine, nine times out of 10, the guys that I'm with or that I know, they won't even ask these places. So they're missing out on so many good quality contacts that they have no clue. Yeah. And then the, the building side, you know, my, that's what I do. And so I've, um, three or four different hunts I've been on. Uh, I've ended up doing work for some people out there and they, they've traded me pretty much just hunting rights forever. Nice. Um, <laughs> it's just, like I said, use what you have available to you, but the same, the process is kind of the same. It's just plug in, plug in what you can bring to the table. Make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's a, those are good tips for you guys out there. I mean, listen to that. Go get your hair cut. The local bar. Uh, stockyards. Stockyards. Um, I've bought and traveled around some different livestock sales in other states. I've gotten a couple of places to hunt from that. You know, there again, anybody in the outdoor industry is probably connected to hunting in some way. And so once you bridge that gap, you got it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Anyway, I think, it's, to think de- about. it's definitely worth uh making conversation when you're on a hunt out of state or out of town. I do the same type of things, talk to every waitress, every store mm-hmm. clerk. And, uh, even if I see another hunter, I just go up and talk to him. Um, a lot of times it's yep. not the stuff they tell you. It's the stuff between the lines that you're like, Oh, okay. That's yeah. That's right. I remember a lot that's of right. those little local waitresses at the grocery store, you know, they got boyfriends that hunt that, you know, grew yeah. up in town and, get good info from that yep. too lot lots of good stuff i love it we're us bow hunters Very true. Are crazy oh i yeah well, i met i met a uh i met a uh, waitress who told me about her husband uh making a bad hit on a giant monster blacktail buck and that how he had looked for it all night and he's going to go look for it all day tomorrow and i offered to uh join him and she was yeah. like what do you mean I said, oh, I'll go help him look. And she said, well, aren't you going to go hunting? I said, no, I'll go help him look for his buck. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's how you, yeah. uh, you know, uh, make make friends with the locals. And uh, I've made that's several right. friends in areas that I live far away from. And it's even to the point yeah. where you can call and check in with them. Like, hey, are those, you know, are those bucks moving moving down yet? Or are does getting pushed around mm-hmm. yet? Or There you go. Uh don't don't pass up any opportunity that you might to at least drop a hint, at least start the conversation. It may not lead to anything, but there again, the more times you put yourself in a quality situation, the better odds you are of getting what you want. Yeah. Just like just like hunting. The more times you can sneak up on something and get within almost range, odds are real good you're going to get a crack at one. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of scouting right now i'm trying to find some new hunting ground uh for elk and i just talked to the biologist this morning and basically i kind of wrote up the most of what she told me is 
the stuff I want to avoid. Um, mm-hmm. basically where all the other hunter, hunters are, but yeah, it's, it's fun digging in and, and trying to, uh, figure a new spot out. It's always, uh, an, an adventure in its own. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I could go on about places that I've been, I've been, been places, been successful at places and really couldn't, couldn't get anybody local guys that I knew interested in going because it wasn't mainstream, you know, because they'd never heard of it. It's like, well, I don't want to go all the way out to South Dakota to go deer hunting. I said, well, okay, fine. So I went by myself. I learned at an early age that if you wait on, you'll be waiting forever and you never will get to go. So your choices are either go and learn to go by yourself or miss out on opportunity. And I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to miss out on, on many opportunities. I'm going. So, and then when you get home, I typically, when I get home, it's generally a successful venture. And I've, you know, there, it, you know, it, it's awesome. You know, I'll get to talking about it. Well, first thing you know, there's 10 guys wanting to go then. Well, sign me up next time. And it's like, well, that's the reason you haven't been is because you won't put out the effort to pursue this kind of thing. You wait, somebody takes you by the hand and, I said, well, sorry about your luck. I'm going someplace else next time. So do you not use the Internet at all when you're picking a spot? You're not no. going on Google Earth or none of that? Never. Wow. I, I can't well, do you know what? one time. That could be working in your favor, though. I was thinking about it last night, Bob, and the spots that look really good on Google Earth look really good to everybody on Google Earth. And yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it almost seems like uh, changing how you find new spots could could be beneficial. Uh, you might be- and I think, I think uh, anymore with the Internet, you know, like we talk about, I think knowing as much as you can is important. And even searching those places out maybe is where to not go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like. If you want to look up a unit in a certain state, I mean, just throw it on there and then you can see, you know, all mm-hmm. the, all the posts there's been about it. And if, and this is what I found, cause I'm always researching, you know, I just, I kind of just hunt the Western states for deer and elk, but I'm always scheming nonstop mm-hmm. and, and I'll find a unit yeah. that there's been a ton of stuff, you know, you can find all kinds of stuff on and it just kind of, my excitement goes way down, but then I get. I, I find a place like there's some areas where you, there's just nothing on the internet about it. And that kind of excites me. Cause I'm like, well, there hmm. you go. So, I mean, but that yeah, could be really bad. That could mean there's nothing there too. <laughs> yeah. It will, you will get information, good, bad, or indifferent. And I'm not so sure. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah. I'm just saying I don't do it. I don't know enough about it to, I do more harm than good, you know, kind of thing. So I have to try to what use what works for me not that something else would work better. It's just what I've, you know what I mean? We're, we're creatures of habit, I guess. And I found, you know, something that kind of works okay enough for me. And so that's kind of what I stick yeah. with. Um, uh, are, so, are you uh, are you an elk hunter, Alan? Yeah. Yeah. I partook in a few times. I don't go every year like a lot of guys do. Um, but there again, the reason is because I'm I'm more about variety. I like uh, I've got so many other things I want to do that I've, I've I've hunted I don't know ten times or so. I've killed one bull and 
three cows, well, a little, two little, uh, a big bull, a little bull, and three cows, uh, all in different parts of the country. Um, I've called them in for a lot of guys. Um, there again, I, I'm kind of a, I like turkey hunting, which comes in in the morning here, by the way. So, nice. anyway, uh, anything that requires a challenge. Remember, like I said, so to me, calling things, whether it's elk you know, turkeys or varmints, predators, that intrigues me because for every reaction you get, depending depending on what action you took, and there's thousands of different scenarios that can happen in one single day, that intrigues me. Why didn't that thing come in? Why did it do what it did? Was it because of something I said, the tone at which I said it? All kinds of things. It intrigues me to try to figure that out to be more. So elk hunting is the same way. You know, once I started, you know, guys will say, oh, well, don't blow your bugle call. They just run. Well, why would they do that? Um, and I find there's reasons. There's there's reasons behind that. And there's sometimes that you don't. There's sometimes that you do. Um, so recognizing those situations and and doing what's you feel is necessary is huge. So I've gotten to where I've, I've called in three or four bulls for other guys and uh, they've shot them. And typically they don't, they want to go and shoot. They don't really want to put out the effort as far as learning. And so that's the way that works. But um, a lot of those Western States that just happened to be the species that I was able to hunt to, to cross that state off kind of thing. Uh, New Mexico comes to mind. Um, you know, just it just is what it, it just happened to be what it what it turned out being. So I went, but I went to let's see. Last year I went to Montana. I do a Central Missouri breaks elk tag there in Central Montana. I didn't shoot one, but I had two nice bulls working, and I just couldn't get in front of them to get them. They weren't. You know, it was early in the season. They weren't coming, so I tried to bushwhack them, kind of get in between them. But that country's so open that I wasn't able to get there quick enough before they did. But it was a good good time. I spent 14 days out there by myself. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, I'll say I'm an elk hunter, but I'm also a hunter of other things too. <laughs> so let's, without giving away any of your secrets, locations that you've earned throughout the years you know having hunted all over the states and hunting all these different species it's got to be hard sometimes when you go on a hunt and you just you know you said it's you know about the animals it's about the place it's about the adventure and you go on these go to these places that are just awesome like you know i'm the kind of guy i'll go to a place and i'll be like oh this this is heck heaven i want to come back every year you know so uh, mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite places that you've been that kind of hit you like that? Maybe that not, I've been like back said, not, not specifics, just general, you know, like Arizona or, you know, uh, Texas or whatever, you know, the hill country of Texas. Well, oh, let's say Texas, I've hunted uh, usually pigs there. Pigs are, mm, see, turkey, I think I hunted turkeys there once, but I've hunted there maybe five or six times. Uh, Colorado multiple times. Uh, more so there is because of the the group of guys you go with. A lot of times, if I if I get somebody that's somewhat interested in pursuing a little bit the next step, 
a lot of times we'll go to Colorado because of the ease at which you can go. Um, not necessarily the quality of hunt, although although I found some pretty decent places there. Um, let's see. So I think what Bob was asking is like a place that really like uh, for the scenic value and the 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 time that you had with the wildlife. Like, what are some of your favorite uh, places oh, to go hunt? Alaska, Alaska. I mean, hands down, Alaska. It, it don't get no better than that. You can just close your eyes and spin around the circle and open them, and you're probably there. Um, I've been there several times, had a lot of different species there. Every time is is a epic adventure. It's just, you know, which one? Um, um, I hunted um, the Trinity Islands. You familiar with that? South of Kodiak there. Um, one of my, I think about maybe one of my earliest trips there, uh, I wanted to go hunt blacktail. And I like this guy, Bob. Everybody, I like this guy. What's that? I like this guy, I said. <laughs> well, anyway, everybody hunts Kodiak for blacktail. And there again, it goes back to my, I would have hunted there, but I thought, you know, there's got to be deer all over the place. I'd heard that there's deer all over those islands, but you never read or hear about that thing. So, those places so those i I addressed my attention to those areas and i can tell you about a bear hunt that's coming up here soon similar to this but anyway um so i put kodiak off to the side and said yeah i can go there we all know we can go there no problem so i got to thinking well man what about that place there uh i'll I'll try that so i just decided i'm gonna go there i'm gonna go to sitkanak which is an island, one of those Trinity Islands, right? That's just right across the bay from Kodiak. And I said, okay, that's where I want to go because nobody's ever heard of it. So I said, okay. So I, I just went up there by myself. Um, had to had to charter the flight out of Kodiak. Guy had never been there before. The fl- the plane. The so he said, we'll just go south till we find it. <laughs> well, I mean that's just my kind of adventure there i said man i'm if i never see a deer i'm in i'm in heaven right now because i could tell you i don't know very many guys from indiana that's been here and and so that it fit the bill you might say so we flew around there and he found a place dropped me off so i'll see you in nine days he come back and got me in nine days um i was able to kill two monster bucks i mean they were just i think they were they're the biggest blacktails i've killed to this point Alaska blacktail, um, and I got them both on the same trip. I missed a nicer one uh, all, right off, but I get there. It was just man. I mean, it was just it was just an epic adventure. I mean, it was all, everything about it: the weather, the whole nine yards. Uh, and I got back home. I hated to come home, and it was like man. Did you see other hunters? No one. That's no one had been there since eons. From, from what I had heard local people say, oh, yeah, there's, you know, way back in wind. And I saw, I bet I saw 100 bucks. And, and none, no little ones. They were all whoppers. Oh, man. And like so, so. Well, How did you home. not go back? I, I've been back once since then. Okay. But there again, I went to other places. I knew I. I guess I um, I lived that adventure. I'm ready to move on to another one. Not that I wouldn't go back there, but it just was 
hey, there's so many more places to go. I cannot awesome. double up on too many things because I'll miss out kind of thing. So anyway, um, I come home. There, there again, no one wanted to go because I ain't going all the way up there for deer. Okay, don't. Well, when I get home, well, all those same people, hey, man, sign me up. I'm going. I said, well, there it is. Go. You know, same old deal. I've been getting this my whole life. You know, I'm not going to go out and do the work for you. And then unless I like you real well, and then I might invite you to go. But, geez, you know. So I get home, and there's 10 guys wanting to go. Well, they, they throughout the years, the local guys around here in my hometown, they knew that I'd win. They kind of pretty, pretty soon they sniffed it out. Now it's nothing. Now it's been rifle hunted. It's just it's just lowly old Alaska now. It's nothing spectacular. But the first year I went, it was beyond epic. And the next year I went again, it was ooh, only about half as good as far as quality of animals. Um, I've heard through the grapevine, other guys that went up there, and you're, you're hard-pressed to see a, a, any buck, really, as far as. So there again, that, re, that strengthens my belief or my thought in when the door opens, that's your moment to step through it. Like you can never be set in stone on, well, I'm going to go this year. I'm going to go elk hunting in Montana. Well, you might, you might meet somebody on the street corner tomorrow and they may have a ranch in Arizona. You know, you got to be flexible enough to, to roll with the flow kind of thing. And so I always try to keep that an option and okay, man, it, it it may not be any better than this. It, this may be your time, and this may be the only that hunt there for sure was one. And if I hadn't win, and my wife was uh, at the time, at the time we weren't even we weren't married yet. Uh, so this was in like 2000 or so, 2002, somewhere along in there. Um, and I said, well, I'm, I'm going to Alaska this fall. You know, okay, that's fine. And then come time to go, I went. And I told her, I said, well, it'll be, be nine days before I talk to you, you know, because I, you know, I didn't have a satellite phone. I didn't have anything. A radio was all I had to the pilot. And, man, I got back to Kodiak, and I turned my phone on, and she had called me 25 times, you know. And each message got increasingly more uh, urgent. And by the time it was done, man, she was ready to rip me up one side and down the other because she hadn't heard from me. And I can exp- I can understand that you know she comes from a different part of the world than I did and I understand it. To me, I was fine and I didn't need to talk so much. <laughs> so I get home and she says to me, "Well, I can tell you two things before you go anywhere. I can tell you two things. A, I get first dibs on going before anybody else gets op- gets the option, and you will have a way for me to contact you or, or us keep in contact. Other than that, I don't care where you go or and I said, well, oh, it's okay. So I bought a satellite phone. I got a a, uh, a tracker thing, you know, a spot tracker. She likes that. When I'm gone, she don't have to worry. And that gives me the option to go and stay for days and days on end. You know, so there you go. Small price to pay. Yeah. Yeah, I got one of those little uh, um, yeah. Garmin inReach. It's like a little satellite texter. And I got them when they first came out. I don't know, uh-huh. like five or six years. And 
I had all my buddies that always be like, oh, geez, you know, you got to, I said, you know, you got to, I leave that stuff at home, whatever. And well, those are guys that go for a couple days and then go home. Like, I'm gone for a long time. Yeah. If I have to text my mm-hmm. wife every night on this little thing, big deal. Like, I'm still here. So sometimes you got to, there you go. Um, you got to keep mom happy. That's right. It's just a small price to pay for, for doing what you do, you know, and, a lot of guys I know, they would never even dream of that. They would never even go, um, A, they wouldn't go if they had the opportunity, and B, they probably couldn't because their their spouses or whatever wouldn't trust them to do that. So if that's what it takes, I mean, that's nothing. That's like having a, you know, and, and, and to be truthful, it's, it's not all that bad that once a week or once every two or three days I'll get up high somewhere that uh, now sell services. You know, you, you can get that in most places, but yeah. if not, every couple of days you check in, no problem. So, heck yeah, better have one of them to some degree. I don't have, uh, I've heard about them. I don't, I've never tried one and I don't, but I'm sure they work great. I just do the old fashioned kind, just what I've gotten and that's what I stick with. So what states do you have left uh for adventure to fill the the 50? Um all the the nine I have left are all in the northeast. You know, you're basically whitetail or bear, so they're uh Vermont, New Hampshire, uh Maine, Delaware, Maryland, those those that cluster of them up in there um is about is it on on places i have to to go and whether or not i can shoot something you know surely i can shoot a doe or something in them but um and the good thing about it is those are those are pretty easy tags to get most of them you can just buy and the ground to hunt on most of that there there's some public but i've gotten to know several people that live in that part of the country there again that's my networking way is um hey come on up anytime you're ready you know and especially if I say, look, all I'm wanting to do is hunt the state. I'm not going to shoot any of your big bucks unless they was the first one to come by. But I'm not going to be looking for a trophy buck like a lot of guys are. I just want to shoot one. Doesn't really matter. Most guys are into that. You know, I'll shoot a doe or any old thing just to accomplish that goal. And most guys are open to that, especially limited. You ain't like I'm going to be hunting there year after year after year, day after day. They take me into their own to their own spot and let me hunt for a few days and no harm done. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so every gonna... year. Go ahead. I try to, I try to knock off them as I can. Um, this year I might hunt, uh, uh, let's see Massachusetts. I got a guy up there that's been, that's been open to letting me come and hunt. And I just keep in contact with him. I, sometimes my schedule gets filled up with doing other things, and I haven't had a chance to make it just yet. But I might try to squeeze out one. I like to try to do one every year, but if sometimes that don't happen. Um, it's at least a goal. So That's awesome. If not, well, like I said, I'm, I'm going back to Alaska. I'm going to take these, these two guys I've been mentoring. They're They're actually – not only are they new to bow hunting, but they're new to traditional bow hunting, which is even better. And they think they want to walk the walk kind of thing. They're <laughs> they're just fascinated 
and I can see a little bit of my younger self in them. To what degree remains to be seen. But I said, well, then let's go to Alaska. I'm thinking about going. What do you think? And one of them was like, well, man, count me in. He'd never shot. Ah, he's killed a couple of deer here. But I invited him to hunt my farm here last year, and he missed, I think he missed, he missed several here. One, a pretty nice buck, and he was, he keeps at it. So I like that, perseverance. So he says he'll go. Well, we signed up going. Um, so we rented the Homer Ocean charter boat. Nice. Um, got a couple more guys to go, and we're going to go do the plush hunt, you know, sit around and watch satellite TV and, and then go hunt, which that's not my normal way of doing it. But he's, you know, i got to watch just how much of a bite I get him to bite off because I don't know if he's ready for that fly you in and drop you off and he says but we'll we'll take it slow so we're going to do that see how it goes but i got an idea uh there's another place i want to go up there down towards prince of wales out of ketchikan and i'm going to fly in and do the same darn thing um i i just got me a map and i that place is anywhere down through there's loaded with bears but i'm looking for a spot that's not your norm prince of wales gets hunted to death there's guys that go there every year and it's 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 good but i think there's some better areas um around close by and some of those other islands they're just hard to get to the planes don't like to go there it's a fur flight you know it's a little bit more costly whatever keeps less guys going that's the place i want to go so next year i think i'll uh i'll be doing that on one of my excursions so i'm looking forward to that already that's awesome see how it goes (laughs) <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, like how's your setup changed over the years and what's, you know, what's the setup you're shooting now? Bows and arrows and sounds like yeah, you've, hunted, um, I mean, if you've hunted Kodiak and all that, you know, your feathers, how you keep yeah. those dry. Let's get into some of that stuff. All right. Um, so recurve, I started out with a recurve. It was an old uh, Damon Howitt hunter, I think is what they call him. Kind of a more or less a factory recurve at the time. It's just... And, of course, it was too short, and I, I got a 33-inch draw, 32-and-a-half-inch draw. And so I broke two of them. You know, they just stress out after a million shots. But I killed a lot of stuff with them, and I learned a little bit about that school of hard knocks early on. Um, always shot feathers off the shelf kind of thing. Um, I shot aluminum 2317 arrows because i got to have a pretty stiff one at that length. So I've always had good penetration as far as that goes. Like a lot, a lot of guys don't. They have to add to get that. Um, so I shot that for a little while, and then I finally decided, man, i got to have me a real bow. You know, By then, uh, I'd met several other guys out shooting at bow shoots and stuff, and I kind of looked, well, there's this kind of go, and there's that one, and there's this one. You know? I said, man, if I get me a Black Widow, that seems to be one of the best. You know, So I... I found an old used one on a at a bow shop one time and picked it up and man I shot that thing for 20 years. It was it was the best shooting bow since even since then before and since best bow I've ever shot. Um, man I shot a lot of stuff with that and the the riser cracked right at the shelf rest ah. and so I went to them to get me a new one. And they had quit making them by hand. They all, they're all they now making them by a CNC machine. And they only make certain models, and they wouldn't make me a model like that, really. And I said, man, that sounds kind of 
you know, why wouldn't you just find me one out of the basement or somewhere? No, we we want you to shoot this new one. So I bought one, and it wouldn't shoot. It wouldn't shoot with a dime. I hated it. So I said, okay, fine. Maybe it's time to switch to a longbow because at the time, by the time I spent that kind of time, I wanted to shoot a longbow for the same reason. It was tougher to shoot. And I said, you know what? If that guy can do it, I can do it. And I was looking for a little bit more of a challenge. So um, I started shooting a few longbows. Oh my goodness, different ball game. Totally, totally different ball game. And I'm not the best shot in the world on that because I have some inconsistencies in my bow hand. My left hand, I torqued the riser quite a bit different times. And same battle everybody faces. But I finally found one I could shoot. And so I started shooting it. And so it right, right, right off, my range got quite a bit closer because I had to because I couldn't shoot very far. Um, still feathers. They quit making my 2317, so I swapped over to carbon tier, I don't know, eight or ten years ago. So from that point on, I shot longbow ever since 10 years or so now um i shot a three rivers uh tomahawk i think they are same same uh, i shot a lot of stuff with it came along it 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 broke or it cracked i got another one uh it didn't shoot quite as good and by then i was moving on i shot a big gym i'm currently shooting a stalker he i've gotten to be pretty good friends with him and i shoot a stalker uh takedown it's 64 inch, 60 pound, and I'm shooting gold tip 55, 75 shafts with a weight tube in them. My arrows weigh 750 grain. Um, so I'm able to take it wherever it fits right in my bag, and no problem. I take all my stuff in one bag, and away we go. Um, and I use that powder to keep the feathers dry. I, I put it in a plastic bag and shake it on my feathers. It seems to work okay. Uh, what about broadheads? Broadhead, I like I like this Wiki Delta four blade, and then recently I've been shooting their um, Journeyman or Eclipse two blade. Um, and the reason is is my got such a long draw that my arrows are they're like almost too short, and so anything that has wings on it out the side normally it will hit the riser if i'm not careful so through necessity i switched over to these um, eclipse they have a nice curved uh cut on the back of the broadhead gives me an eighth of an inch more clearance and so they i'm able to shoot these these full length arrows that are just barely long enough are they buy with it so are the arrows 33 inches long they are 32 and three quarter or so by the time it's all said and done um the shaft themselves are i think they're come 32 okay one quarter or something black and then by the time i put black so. eagle makes a uh, yeah. traditional carbon arrow that's 34 inches long yeah you know it's funny we must be thinking alike it's funny you said i just got mine yesterday okay and <laughs> i met i met this valkyrie guy you know i'm sure you yeah. know him brent, brent hahn and yeah, and I, I know his dad pretty well, and his dad said, hey, man, you need to do this. So I talked to him. I actually talked to him down here down at the Pope and Young Convention here last week, and yep. he talked me into trying these things. He thinks they're the best things since sliced bread. And, 
you know, I know several other guys that shoot these small diameter, no feathers and all that crap. And, but the thing about it is most of these guys that shoot these, they have penetration problems because they don't, they don't have their arrow that isn't that, it doesn't weigh that much because it's shorter. And so that system in theory helps you with that because it's all that weight front forward. Most guys have a lot better penetration shooting them. I was out there shooting them. I shot some last night, and then I shot some this morning. Um, my other arrows penetrate better than them do. Yeah, I like a, as, I like a heavy arrow myself instead of a high FOC, like you're saying, uh, an overall yeah. heavy arrow. Yeah, so I, I don't know whether they aren't good for the right circumstance, the right fella, but the way I look at it is, if it isn't significantly better than what I'm shooting now, that's not worth the hassle of swapping. I'm kind of a, yeah. I, I'm not a tinker. I'm not a, so I just barely got them. I told him I'd try them. I don't like the idea of having to go to new components and all that crap. I've already got my lifetime supply of components and stuff for my other ones. Probably go ahead and shoot them, but they work for me. Um, not saying they don't for somebody else. Try them, and then you'll know yourself. Um, well, that's kind Black, of ironic. That's a good way to look at it. Black Eagle makes a um, n- not a super skinny one. They make another one that's called the Vintage that also uh, is a yep. five sixteenths arrow. It's thirty four inches hmm. long, and I just thought you could put your weight tubes in it or however you wanted to build them. Yeah. You might like those, uh-huh. and they're they're not too expensive oh. either. They're pretty reasonable. Yeah. So I don't. I, these are black rhino wood grain tabs. I forget the model number, but he actually had to look around and find some that were long enough. Yeah. And yeah. anyway, yeah. The main thing is the arrow's got to be flying pretty good. I find that to be the error in most guys' ways. I'll go, I travel all around to different bow shoots and I watch people shoot. 90% of them can't hit nothing because their arrows are flying all over the place. You know yeah. I mean, they're not tuned where they need to be. And they, they'd they sit there and look you in the face and swear they are. But that yeah. goes back to, you know, there's 10% of the guys out there actually shooting stuff. The rest of them are shooting at stuff. <laughs> so, Tell- well, I mean, I that's like just that. true. So if a guy is shooting at stuff and he doesn't have the experience at killing, then he really doesn't probably know the effect or the non-effect of his arrow flight. You know what I mean? He's right. he's not really having to go through that because, you know what I mean? No, you I start think... shooting stuff, and you start blowing through stuff like it's like it should be, well, you'll start noticing pretty quick. You It slams into the side of him and it goes in there six inches and it runs off your arrow. There's, there's definitely a reason why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so you had I, mentioned I, uh, the mentoring uh, how did you get yep. into mentoring these two young men and uh, maybe tell us a little uh, bit about that? So when I first started but back in the day, um, I found it difficult for guys around my local area to give me knowledge. I was starving for information. And I would go up to these people and and they treated me like um, an outcast kind of thing. They They wanted to tell me how good they were and about what they did but they wouldn't necessarily take me by the hand and say, you know, you need this, 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 this. And I got that from several guys that I 
really surprised me they were that way. I really thought they were better guys than that. And so it was like, hmm, a wake-up call. And I made up my mind right then, when I do figure this out, and I will, it might take me my lifetime, but I will figure this out because that's just been my life to this point. I'll just keep going uh, till I will. I mean, I basketball, baseball, I used to be a, a tournament pool, pool shooter in my day. I've, I've won a lot of tournaments. Same deal. It, you got to put into practice, and it's, you, after a, a set amount of time, you generally get pretty good at it. But you got to put the time in. So I said, you know what? I, I don't think that's right, and I really felt bad about that. So I decided at an early age that if I ever got to this point, I would give back in whatever capacity I could. So once I got to where I could call turkey in, I took a lot of young kids out and shot, called shot a turkey. And then it just kept building from there. And so I got a lot of guys interested in bow hunting. And then now I, I manage my property here for me. I have quite a, quite a bit of place here. Um, and I manage it for quality deer hunting. It has some monster bucks on it. And, of course, all my buddies, they want to come and hunt here. But I said, nope, you can't hunt here because you are already partaking in this wonderful sport. You have already shot your share of deer. I'm not going to provide a place for you just to come over and shoot your biggest deer of your life just because I'm a nice guy. But you bring your kid over here that's never shot a buck, and I'll give him the experience of his lifetime, all right? Because I want you to get hooked like I did. I want to see that spark in your eye. When I talk to you, I want to see that spark in your eye. And the only way that person is going to get it is if he gets overwhelmed with a lot of good, positive experiences. So, as the years went by, I, I kind of selectively pick up local people that, for whatever reason, they're don't into hunting or they don't have a dad, whatever. I usually invite them over. We talk bow hunting. These two guys, um, they brought a deer for me to measure. I, I measure for Pope and Young and Compton. And so I'm getting to talk to a lot of guys through that. There again, that's kind of a networking thing. And they come over and they see my house, you know, and, man, I mean, it, it it just talks volume as soon as you walk in the door. And they just was overwhelmed. And I said, well, you know, I've been at this a while, you know, and you, you'll get that. You know, another 20 years, you might get this if you stick with it long enough. So, well, then they, we got to talking about traditional bows. And like I said, everything you see here has all been shot with by myself, self-guided with traditional bows. And they're like, oh, my gosh, they were – so I could see that in their eyes, so I took it from there and said, hey, okay, that's just how interested you are. And so one thing led to another. They both bought a bow right off, and then they want to come and shoot it, and then we've worked through this and that and the other, and then I invite them to come and hunt. We travel around and go to some bow shoots, and it just keeps going to where I'm hoping they'll – at least the one, he's, he's really, he's really uh, got it, I think. The other one, maybe not so much. He keeps going back to that compound. Well, you know, I can't get close enough with a recurve. Yeah, he shoots it during the summer and piddles around, but then he'll hunt with his. I said, look, you're never going to kill nothing with that recurve if you don't hunt with it. I mean, that's a fact. So you're going to have to bite the bullet inside. Either you are or you're not. So along them lines, that's how I try to work. I, I'm trying to pay back in my small way, however my, I can, because if it, if there's one kid out there that was like me and and would like the opportunity but can't get it for whatever reason, 
I want that kid to have the opportunity rather than to get passed up like I almost did. So um, there you have it. I, I have the opportunity to do that these days, and I try to I try to comply any way I can. That is so awesome. I think uh, organizations like Compton traditional bow hunters, you know, they provide that platform uh, quite often, and um, you know, guys like you to mm-hmm. reaching yourself out there and mentoring young kids and uh, adults is exactly what it's going to take to uh, push this to the next yeah. generation and, and forward. So we thank you for that. We like to uh, we like to end these with a hunting story, and I know uh, you told me a hunting story that I'd love for you to uh, share with the listeners. Um, it was a recent trip of yours to uh, Hawaii. Could you tell us uh, that? Uh, oh, yeah. Tell us, give us the the juicy details on that story. Uh, I, I did. I, I got the opportunity years ago. I let's just say I met this person. He he really. I got to watch about who I who I tell this to, right? So we'll just keep it kind of general. But we know we all know who we're talking about and yep. all that stuff. Anyway, I had I had met this guy years ago. I mean, really, probably ten years ago. I got wind of this guy, and I I called him and talked to him. And Hawaii was on my list. I hadn't hunted yet, and I knew at some point, somewhere down the line, I'd hunt Hawaii. So. I would, whenever I'd come across guys that had information, I compiled that and I compiled that and I had it all in my folder. And I, I went ahead and got my letter of exemption to get a license 10 years ago or so. I knew I'd have to have that. I went ahead and sent off for that and got all that ready to where the day come. When that door opened in front of me, I'd have all the stuff that I could get and, and I could be ready to go. So fast forward along. I didn't really get the opportunity to go a couple times. I could have, you know, just went, but other things got in the way. Um, my wife, uh, our anniversary is that month uh, is the 14th, February 14th, actually. So we'd always talked about wiggle over one day. Um, so a couple months prior to us going, she come home and told me they were going to, uh, her, her business was going to send her over there for like a little business slash vacation. Right. So she come home and said, well, a good chance it might be going to Hawaii. And I said, well, uh, then that means I'm going to. And so, and well, we'll know something. We'll shoot the next day or two. She had her itinerary already. It was like, well, crap, you know, and I had kind of scramble around and get my act together. But there again, like I said before, when the door opens, you got to be willing to go through it. You can't say, well, gosh, I'm not ready to go. And, I, you know, it might take me a few while, you know, to plan. You either go or you don't. Sometimes those doors close and then they never open again. So that's in my mind. I said, okay, I'm going. I'll put off whatever I got to do to work. I'm going. So I went. I had three jobs that I was halfway through. I went and told these people, look, I'm going. This door's open. They all know me. And they know my. They know there ain't no sense of trying to talk me out of it. They knew I was going. Okay, I'm going. I called my buddy that I know, I said, Hey, I'm coming. Can you fix me up with a, some private land to go? I just want the opportunity to hunt Hawaii. Doesn't matter what it is, but I want to go on my own and I want you to, I want you to find me a place to go just to, just to have the access. There's a lot of public ground to go, but there again, it gets hunted quite a bit. And also on private ground, there's no season or limits. 
So you can hunt anything, any time of the year, and shoot as many as the landowner will allow you to, right? Public ground, it's seasoned and tags for whatever species, just like you can play tell. So this particular time to go is not the best time to go for a lot of species. A lot of people go later, but this was the time that I, I had the chance to go. So he calls me, or uh, I call him up, yep, I, I'll find you a place. And so I said, well, I'm going to be over for like 10 days. I'm going to bring my camping gear. Um, I'd like a couple different places to try just for diversity, just to try some different parts. So yada, 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 I flew over there, give him a call. Yep, come on out. I got you some places. Boom, boom, boom. Away we go. I left my wife after for a we We stayed a few days and done the vacation thing, and then I left her for a week. I chartered a plane to another island. Um, I stayed over there for seven, eight days, came back. We met again for three or four days and done the vacation thing, come home. But so while I was out there, he, he found me a couple places to go. I got a rental vehicle there and drove to him. He let me go all by myself. And I saw I saw tons of deer, uh, a few goats. Was, wasn't able to get on any deer. Access deer. Early right. on. Yeah, access deer. And they, they're just pretty spooky, um, like, like everybody says. And to get within my bow range is even tougher yet. And I failed quite a bit. I was seeing plenty of them, so that was a good thing. You know, it was like, well, okay, we'll just go get on another one. So I probably had, I don't know, eight or ten opportunities at stalking um, within the first two or three days. And several goats I saw. Um, he promised me when he sent me in there, he said, I'll let you go, but you cannot go in those cliffs. Stay out of those cliffs. They're dangerous. I don't want you back there by yourself. I said, okay. So I got back there. Well, guess where the goats are at? They was right at the edge of that cliff. And as soon as I got fairly close to them, zoop, they'd go right off in there. And, of course, I got over there and looked. And, yeah, it, it ain't, a big, ain't a good place to be. And I promised him, so I didn't go. So I really didn't get many opportunities at goats, but the deer just seemed to be really, really plentiful. So a um, few days, I stayed three, two or three days in that place, and I moved to another place, stayed two or three more days, and I actually went to a third place that was more, um, oh, uh, not so open, more close. It was like a valley, a, a little pristine valley, had a waterfall at the end of it, and uh, a little river running through it, but it was wet. And it just was the kind of country that it would enable me to get closer just because of the, the country that was in, right, instead of so open. So anyway, I went, yeah, so I went through there um, this one morning. I hiked back in there, I don't know, three or four miles, and, and the wind had switched. So I jumped over into another basin and, and come down it into the wind. And I, I started seeing deer quite a bit. You know, when I did that, of course, then the wind was in my favor. The the trade trade winds, which are out of the east, are really they get along pretty good, so they're really constant. And so it was just it was going right up that valley was no problem. So I was able to keep that in my face, and I had several coming, crossing this valley from one side to the other, and feeding, and a lot of activity in there. And I was just easing along, and I had enough cover, enough big enough trees, enough. Uh, shady spots so I could kind of maneuver wrong in front of them and I got I got up on this one trail that finally that this group was coming 
what I thought would come in along it. And uh, I was able to get up there behind this big tree and they, they actually come on my side of this big rock that was there. And I was able to get about a 12 yard shot at this thing. And there ended up being two or three bucks with him and four or five does. I didn't see this buck particular one until he stood his raised his head up right at the last minute almost i thought man that's a pretty nice buck dang but i would have shot any of them any of them, any of them that come out there first one i got a shot i was going to shoot and it just so happens he was the first one which in my experience that never happens he's normally last but it just worked out it, it, it was my day and he walked right out there and didn't have a clue i was around i shot him just got a good hit on him and he didn't go 20 yards and he jumped over this big boulder and busted his rack off on his on his uh, right side. Just snapped the main beam off, and it's man. I mean, it's looking like it was oh, it was probably inch and a half around. Pretty pretty good hit he took. But anyway, it just anybody could have shot the thing in that situation. But I tell people it's putting yourself in that position is what the hunt is. Um, a good friend of mine, I tried to get to go with me. I said, bring your wife. We'll go. Dump them off at the beach and we'll go. And eh, I don't want to go over there. And I've heard them deer kind of tough. And I don't know. I said, well, okay, I'm going. You know, and I'm going to go hunt somewhere. And so what happened? I get back and I shot this. I shot. Not only did I get one, but I got a really nice one, which was above and beyond. I didn't really realize how nice, you know, until later. But so by the time I got home, the word kind of got out, and I had several people that I didn't know, uh, you know, get wind of me. And so it's kind of – I think that's probably what got you guys on my trail was I sent a couple guys that picture, which I never do. Like I said, I'm not a – they hound me throughout the years. Man, send me a picture. Send me a picture. Yeah, I seen that picture that, of you with that big <laughs> access buck, and then we actually had a listener send us a private message. Oh, did you? who kept wow. saying, and I don't know if he's a guy you are mentoring or someone you know personally, but uh, he said, oh, this guy in my town, you really got to get him on. And huh. um, so That could be because it could be because uh, he actually um, he actually called me. Um, uh, what did he say? Well, he asked me. I think he may he must have give you my phone number yeah. or my yeah. something because he. Yeah. Yeah, because he he called and asked me if it was, but by then it I had several people already call me prior to that. So if a guy knows what he's doing, you can get the information if you, you know. But and I said, you know what? Oh, I said, man, I don't know. What is that something I want to do? You know, I'm not sure if I want to do that or not. I'm kind of that just goes against my. Well, this is like new territory. I mean, I've never, I hardly talked to anybody about things of this nature on in a in a broad specter you know i'll talk to individual people about different things i'm happy to to uh but it's a certain individual um not just a group of people so and i said man i don't know i mean i don't i really couldn't didn't think that it would be that kind of person someone would want to listen to kind of thing and he's like oh yeah they were like this and that and the other he you know he listens to me talk and different things and but so anyway it kind of started with that i sent it i sent it to south and he put it on his evidently and just because i shot it with his bow and um 
but no, Al, we 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 enjoy uh, <laughs> digging up guys just like yourself. Uh, bow hunters are our kind of guys, yeah. our kind of people, and we love the ones that are, you know, that yeah. no one's ever heard of that are just out looking for adventure and finding success in the field. So you know, for the listeners listening. If you guys have uh, friends or uh, know of guys like Alan, definitely send them our way. We love it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, for every one person that's famous or people know about as a household name, there's got to be tons of guys that aren't. Most of us in this world are doing this kind of thing. So it's just a matter of finding them kind of thing. Yeah. And Most traditional and, guys. And Alan, are... you're you're what our podcast is about, man. The, the challenge and the adventure, and I mean that's what bow hunting's all about. So we love, uh, you know, just by doing this with us, you're gonna go out to you know thousands of young guys out there that you know maybe you don't we don't have yeah. a chance to personally mentor, but by going through and doing this go. with us, it's our it's our little way of giving back, James and I, you know. So yeah. yeah, there you go. If there's one guy out there that spurs him on, man, it, it's been great. It's been worth it. Yeah, so. and we get I mean, that's my you hope. Would, you would be surprised the messages we get from young guys that, and it's awesome. I mean, that's why we do it. That's what mm. keeps us around. We get we get messages all the time from yeah. young guys that are like, man, I you know I found your podcast and and they're just they're hooked now, you know, and and huh. uh, so it's awesome. We appreciate you guys because you're like a lot of the listeners we or that a lot of the guys we get on here. They're ah. I'm nothing special. I don't. I don't have anything good to say. You know, they don't even know what a podcast is, and blah 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 blah. And, yeah. And we work them and work uh-huh. them and work them because you know you guys are inspiration for the younger guys for sure. I mean, kind of the grassroots of the industry, you might say. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. I, I I I tell well, yeah. these I tell these young guys, and, and you know, and I'll say it again, like. You only need one bow and arrow and a backpack and some boots and and uh, and some time off. Like if you put yourself you in that position, you can go on an adventure. If you you know want to keep up with the Joneses and have a bunch of stuff you can't afford and and have to buy all this fancy gear before you go on a trip, you're never gonna go. It's not gonna happen, and it's go. gonna it's gonna yeah. fly by, and you're not gonna go on these adventures. And so make the priority. Uh, going, you you have to go in blue jeans and an old pair of work boots you and, you know, get out there and, and get some. Yeah. That's my, that's my message. If you're looking for an excuse not to go, there's plenty of them. You don't have to look very far. You got to be willing to put out a little effort. So awesome. there you go, guys. <laughs> get and after we'll, them. Well, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to maybe share some of my journey. I mean, all right, thanks, Alan. We appreciate it, buddy, and we'll stay in touch. We'll try to get a hold of you again after the season and come on and BS some more. We appreciate your time, man. Once again, we'd like to thank the listeners. Growing the podcast, word of mouth has been great. Keep telling your friends about listening to TradQuest. We're trying to bring you guys all the you know hard to find, hardcore traditional bow hunters as well as the well known ones. If you guys have any ideas on people you'd like to be on the show, send us an email at tradquestpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out at tradquest.com. Leave us a five-star review on wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps the podcast out a ton. Don't forget to support us on Patreon. We have lots of really good giveaways going there. 
Check us out on our website, tradquest.com, on our donate page to learn more. And always, keep the wind in your face, pick a spot, and shoot straight.